0: Welcome to the Vitality Health Show, where we inform you about the latest advancements in alternative health care and the best health and wellness solutions to benefit your body, mind, and spirit. Now, here's your host, Stephanie Parrish.
1: Good morning, friends, and welcome to the Vitality Health Show. I am your host, Stephanie Parrish, the voice of hope and healing. And thank you for joining us. First, I want to thank our sponsor, The Mindful Lab, for making this show possible. The Mindful Lab can help transform your life through the practice of mindfulness. Learn more at www.mindfullab.net. And as a reminder, if you have any questions or comments for me, please let me know at contact at com. I'd love to hear from you. We have a fascinating show for you today. Our guest is Dr. Saad Zohail, I hope I say that correctly, who is a medical doctor by profession and he is also one who appreciates the need for alternative therapies and holistic approach to human health. Dr. Saad has recently published a groundbreaking book called Hyperbaric Oxygen Therapy and Cancer. Actually, I don't think that's the original name of it, but I'll have you talk a little bit more about that, which will from the, form the basis of our discussion today. He has to, he's got such amazing stories to share. I'm so excited to have you guys listen to him. So stay tuned. Without further ado, please welcome Dr. Saad Zahail to the Vitality Health Show. Saad, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you, Stephanie, for welcoming me on your show. How are you?
1: I am doing fabulous, and we want our guests to know you're coming all the way from Pakistan. He's not actually driving here, but he's coming yeah. to us from Pakistan, where it's very hot. We're talking about the heat.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: it's <pretty laughs> as hot. it
1: is everywhere, right? Everybody's yeah. got their their heat stories. So, without yeah. without um, delaying any longer, we've had just True. an amazing couple months that we've been able to get to know each other and be friends. And I'm I'm just con- continually amazed, At how much, no, you know, I mean, he's he's so brilliant. And of course, we got started talking about hyperbaric oxygen and cancer. And we talked about a lot of different cancers. And that's kind of what we're going to touch base on. You've written a number of books. You've been a contributor to a lot of things. You're a writer for a lot of different things. So I'm going to quit talking for a moment. And I'm going to let you start out with your story and kind of how you started on your journey. So Saad, so go ahead
2: and take it. Okay, thank you, Stephanie. Yeah, that's that was a long intro, but
3: <laughs> it does, I,
2: I think you have done a good job at explaining how it's uh, how it is, right? So I'm a medical doctor by profession, and I decided to, you know, uh, venture. Uh, to, so I decided to go to United Kingdom for specialization. And then I decided against it and I thought that conditions of Pakistan are like that, That I and that I, I felt that people want me here, right? So, um, so I decided to come back and I opened up a clinic and I usually take on patients there. And during my, uh, you know, practice, I have noticed a number of cancer patients visiting from other hospitals, right?
3: Mm.
2: And they have been undergoing all sorts of chemotherapies and radiotherapies. And it's sort of, uh, and those were cases in which doctors have literally, you know, given up and they uh, sign a death sentence that you have got about six months to live, right? Mm. So while uh, being technically, or being, uh, if I look at it from the orthodox angle that we usually doctors need, look at, then it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, I was, I was sort of powerless, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't help them in any way whatsoever, right? Mm. So this much need to look deeply into the research articles and try to, you know, connect the dots, what is it that we are missing, right? There's billions and billions of research that all, all of us are doing in cancer, and yet we, we are still failing at finding our cure. Right.
1: Mm, yes. Exactly. After all these years.
2: Yeah. After so, when I was looking into the research, because I came across a number of you know uh, things, and I'd like to talk about it in a bit, a bit, in a bit more detail. It comes. It comes down to how you know how chemotherapy was discovered. Right. Uh, so, do, do you know about uh, you would know about World War One? Right. World yes. World War One
1: yeah
2: oh yes <laughs> yeah so uh it comes down to they discovered a weapon called they they used to talk about it in code names right it was right. known as H or sometimes alpha and they were they were trying to use this weapon to scare the wits of their enemies right uh, and uh, I don't know if they call it an accident or something, but uh, a great number of people were exposed to it, right? So, what what, uh, then that it was then that the United States of America asked a group of researchers to study the effects of this, this gas. This was not, it was known as mustard gas, right? Yeah. And uh, when the researchers looked into it, they noticed a, they noticed a pattern. And it was like uh, they noticed that there was, Suppression of uh, the natural killer cells of the white blood cells, right? Within the, Mm. uh, within the victim's bodies and the blood and the whole, um, the bone marrow was suppressed. So they came to the conclusion, how about we could use it in leukemia or lymphoma, right?
3: Mm.
2: So, and it was a success when they did choose it uh, uh they, they tried, they came across different kinds of uh, combinations of chemotherapies and they were uh, using it in conjunction. But the only problem was that uh, the chemotherapy that they were using did not distinguish between the normal cell and the cancer cell, right? right. So, yeah. So if you were to administer the orthodox uh, chemotherapeutic agent to a patient, is gonna, you know, literally warm it up and have diarrhea, have bleeding tendencies. And to counter that, oncologists give, uh, you know, platelets and all kinds of things to counteract the side effects, mm. right? So, but we had a bit of success when it comes to leukemia, lymphoma. These are the childhood, uh, childhood blood cancers, right? And we had success in liquid cancers. We had success with Burkitt lymphoma. We even had success with uh, testicular cancer, which was the first uh, solid cancer that we had success with, a combination of these toxic agents. We were having a... Yeah. But when we turned our attention towards the more common solid cancers, like breast cancer, like lung cancer, like kidney cancer, like brain cancer, like skin cancer, we were stuck. We Mm. couldn't we couldn't find any drug which could be used against, which could, you know, uh, which, could, which could correlate with long-term remissions. A remission is a, is a scientific way of saying that a person or a patient is cancer-free, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yeah, but uh, we, uh, we achieved about, and um, today, uh, we have about 90% cure rate when it comes to leukemia or lymphoma, right? 90%. Wow, that's,
1: that's high percentage.
2: Yeah, that's high percentage. So I would not recommend any patient who is listening to me, any cancer patient out there who is listening to me and he says, no, I'm going to go for the unconventional approach, realizing that the rate with conventional chemotherapy for his particular type of cancer it is, uh, averages around 90% right.
1: Mm.
2: You get right. the point, right? Correct. Yeah. So I can't I can't recommend that. But at the same time, uh, when when we were conducting all these tests, there were journals being published out there who were talking about relapses. There were relapses. People mm. who we were giving chemotherapy, right? They were com- they were coming back. They were coming back with secondary tumors, with secondary carcinomas, uh, and they would. Uh, the, and these carcinomas were related to the toxic side effects of chemotherapy right but things are yeah but things are but things are shaping good when it comes to liquid cancers but we are still losing the war when it comes to solid cancers and Mm -hmm. why is that there's something strange not something something profound has happened in the last 20 years especially in 1980 Uh, Mm -hmm. have you heard about uh, dr robert weinberg yes Okay. Okay. He was the one who, you know, he uh, sort of uh, laid the foundations of somatic mutation theory of cancer, right? Okay. So he had, so he identified uh, about uh, six to ten hallmarks of cancer, how they distinguished from the every cell, right? And from there on, we we have sort of uh, the, uh, our orthodox approach has sort of you know uh, we had a paradigm shift and we. Uh, we directed our approach to uh, what we call as targeted therapies. Mm. So, to give you an example, uh, we have a targeted therapy called VEGF inhibitor or Avastin, right? Okay. And th- this drug is used in a multiple of, uh, car- a multiple of cancers. Especially, let's talk about you know lung cancer for instance. It's it's used in lung cancer. In, uh, in advanced disease, but do you know um, uh, uh, does it does it lead to remissions? No, and um, does it? Uh, uh, how? Uh, what is the difference between someone who takes it and someone who doesn't take it? Right. right. So uh, the, the one who takes it lives about two months longer. And you and do you know two, two months. months longer? You, That's it. Two, two months longer. Yeah, yeah. And do you know the cost of this drug? It's about hundred thousand dollar for one patient for a year.
1: Hundred thousand dollars, and basically, it's buying two months. Yeah, you could say that. Around that, you, basically.
2: Yeah, it's it's two months. So, uh, and then there's there's another drug. There there are plenty of targeted therapies which have come on the market. It, it has become a it has become an industry, right? It has become exactly a big industry. It, it is a it is a million dollar, multi billion dollar industries, and, and where where there is money involved, you will definitely find biases, right? Mm-hmm. You will find biased opinions all the time, right? So you'll hear on the news that there, this is a breakthrough medicine that we have found, or something like that. But it doesn't, it isn't helping us. And why is it helping us? So you see, they they decided that since orthodox chemotherapy isn't working, so how about we look into the cancer and we sort of, we, you know, the, the, you know, thy enemy, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they hey, got to know your look, enemy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted to look inside and see what the hell is really going on inside the cancer cell. Right? right. So we could target, so we could target it. And they formed uh, an, entire, uh, an entire genome project that lasted for, uh, I don't know, for a decade. And they tried to find out all the, you know, they, could, they would try to find out all the combinations of mutations that they could target, that maybe they could, you know, put their hands on a code which sort of gives them an edge against cancer. Right. You know, when the results of those those genome projects came about, it was shocking. You see, uh, it is very easy to target a cancer, a tumor. A tumor is essentially a mass made up of cancer cells, right? Right. So it was. It is very easy to target uh, a cancer cell if it has the same mutations as its neighbor, right?
3: So <laughs> when disease,
2: yeah, it's very easy, right? Right. Because all the cell, all the cluster of cells that you have in front of you have essentially the same uh, mutations, so it's very easy to use one drug to target each one of them. Right. Right. And this is what happened with glevac. Now, glevac sort of affirms our paradigm and sort of gives researchers. Uh, uh, you know, uh, who re- who are researching into the this whole genome project to keep moving forward because gleevec targeted. Uh, gleevec was used in uh, CML patients, chronic myelogenous leukemia patients, and they, we had profound success with it. But when the results of the genome project were published, majority of the common cancers were heterogeneous, and by heterogeneous I mean all the clusters of cell- all the cancer cells were completely different from each other within the same tumor, right?
1: So, so they couldn't we, be treated exactly the same because they're different. Yeah. Right? So if
2: each of the cancer cell is different, how many drugs would you, would you be using to target each one of them?
1: That's terrifying right? to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. So having that knowledge behind, I decided that is there something else to cancer? is there something which is common to all cancers? And this, and this question uh, took me to Dr. Warburg, who discovered that the cancer cells have, you know, a respiratory deficiency, have troubles with their mitochondria, right? Mm-hmm. They were, uh, normal cells utilize glucose and uh, in, uh, via the oxidative phosphorylation yielding around 23 to 26 HP molecules, which is essentially uh, a synonym for energy, right? But, mm-hmm. uh, but cancer cells were stuck in utilizing glucose even in the absence of oxygen. So this was known as the Warburg effect, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, the absence in- of oxygen. I love that comment. <laughs> yeah.
2: Even in, the, even in the absence of oxygen, so while I was reading this, I also came to know about something which is known as prognosis, right? Uh, so prognosis is the outcome of a certain uh, cancer, right? Insofar as giving it chemotherapeutic agents is concerned, or like or without that as well, right? So I uh, so I heard this common phenomenon that hypoxia. I'll define hypoxia later on. Hypoxia is correlated with aggressive. Cancers who have very poor prognosis. So what is hypoxia? Yeah. So what is hypoxia? Hypoxia is a state where there is uh, literally lack of oxygen,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: Within the cancer vicinity, within the vicinity of t- within the vicinity of tumor, there is lack of oxygen. So uh, since there is a lack of oxygen, the cancers and the tumor is expanding. Right, so it acquires mutations which makes it very difficult to target with chemotherapeutic drugs. Right, right, chemotherapy, yeah, it's it's very uh, and this is what we know, this is what we call referred to as chemotherapeutic resistance. Mm. Okay, and uh, and they had they they were very aggressive tumors, they metastasized very quickly, they they spread to distant organs of the body very quickly. So, I thought about two. So I had two questions in my mind. Uh, can a ca- cancer cell really be starved? Can mm-hmm. we starve a cancer cell? Right. And the second question was, what would happen if we could give high-pressure oxygen to a hypoxic tumor? hmm Right?
3: Okay. So this,
2: yeah. So You're singing my song me- right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this brought me to hyperbaric oxygen therapy and the, and the ketogenic diet. But mm-hmm. the thing with, yeah. So, any questions so far?
1: I love where you're going with this. Of course, you know that this is my love is the hyperbaric oxygen <laughs> yeah. and naturally healing people's bodies. If you put yeah. the right tools in the body, the body knows what to do with it. So, yeah. this is why you and I connected so well so fast. <laughs> I like, yes, yeah. talk hyperbaric oxygen. And, of course, this yeah. food, the food that we put in our bodies is so vital. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Yes, continue.
2: Yeah. So uh, with hyperbaric oxygen therapy, there was a dilemma among the oncologists, and that oncologists felt that if you give, we were giving, if I, if you remember, I talked about Avastin, which is a regifin inhibitor, right? So what does Avastin do? Avastin is binds with Regif, which is the vascular endothelial growth factor, right? Okay. And then and it inhibits. Angiogenesis, which is the blood vessel formation occurring within the tumor, right? Mm-hmm. So oncologists were now faced with a dilemma. On one hand, they were giving a vasting to inhibit uh, blood flow uh, to the tumor, uh, starving it in the sense of uh, shutting off nutrients and oxygen. Mm. And now, if we were if we were to give hyperbaric oxygen, what if the tumor cells Metastasized, and what if they grew, uh, and uh, you know they were they, they were uh, associated with even worse prognostic outcome. Mm-hmm. So they had a dilemma, and this is why uh, they, um, uh, any traditional oncologist would never recommend uh, a patient undergoing hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Yeah, but it comes down to you know how much of a uh, how much research you have done in this whole uh, whole, uh, in the broad scheme of things? Are you updated with uh, the current scientific knowledge?
3: Right,
2: so uh, I, 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 I uh, being being a tra- being affiliated with traditional or orthodox medicine, I also had to resolve this dilemma, right? Because right. if you were to give, yeah, if you were to give hyperbaric oxygen therapy, we we really need to be sure what we are doing right.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So the way I addressed it was I looked into the uh, I looked deep inside the uh, inside what is going on inside the cancer cell, right? And I came across multitudes of researchers where I, uh, where it was shown that the mitochondria of mm-hmm. the cancer cell are stunted. They're damaged. They're dysfunctional. So that that uh, uh, that makes us understand why, in the presence of oxygen, or even in the absence of oxygen, they're still fermenting glucose. You mm-hmm. see, if if their mitochondria was functional, they would have utilized glucose via the oxidative phosphorylation chain within the mitochondria yielding 23 ATPs. But even in the presence of oxygen, they were fermenting glucose. It's as if. Hmm. And, um, and, and uh, uh, microscopic analysis of the mitochondria shows that they, uh, there's, uh, there's a structure called Christi uh, within the mitochondria. It's blunted in the cancer cells. They cannot use oxygen simply.
3: Hmm. They
2: cannot use oxygen, right? So even if you were to, yeah. So even if you were to give tons and uh, even if you were to supply tons and tons of oxygen to a cancer cell, it's not going to use it. You see, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what do we make? How do we make use of oxygen? Mm. Uh, Right. We we use it to oxidize what we eat. Right. Uh, To produce. To produce energy, but the cancer cells were, weren't doing that. They weren't. They were oxidizing what we eat, but they were not oxidizing it. They were fermenting it. Right?
1: Wow. Okay. That That's my okay. mind's just kind of getting blown right now. I know this already, but this is fascinating. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: So I I also wanted to confirm it. So I read a couple of. I came across a couple of researches where uh, where on college where some researchers have actually conducted experiments to demonstrate whether angiogenesis within the tumor uh, cell is enhanced in the presence of uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy mm. and they didn't they didn't find any enhancement of angiogenesis they didn't see it any. in fact they saw something uh, quite the contrary right they saw that the tumor cells shrank Right, nice. they shrank and they regressed. So, so um, now the, uh, now all those who would be listening to me is, would they, be, they would be they might be thinking that should we drop oncology altogether and should we jump immediately into the hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Or should we should we just pursue hyperbaric oxygen therapy, sit inside the chamber and that's it? Should we not do something anything else? Uh, no. What we could do is, and there are tons of researchers to support that as well. You see, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Um, it is important to understand what is hyperbaric oxygen therapy as well, right? It is breathing oxygen under pressure.
3: Mm-hmm. So when
2: you're breathing, right. so when so when you're breathing oxygen normally, let's say, let's give it a percentage. The concentration of oxygen dissolved in your blood is, let's say, it's seventy percent. But when you're breathing it under pressure within the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, it raises to about 150% or even 180%, mm-hmm. right? right. So, how could, so how could you use this knowledge uh, in conjunction with chemotherapy or radiotherapy? Is, mm-hmm. there some, uh, is there some advantage to this? There is. There actually is. Because okay. We're going to hold
1: that for just a moment because we're going to take our first break and that's a great place to go. Hmm. Does it help or does it not help? That's a perfect place to go. So we're going to take our first break first. Before we do that, I would like them you to give your contact information if you would to our listeners so that if they have any other questions and you have got tons and tons and tons of research. I, I love your research that you have. Yeah. And when I first started into the hyperbaric oxygen and I started mm-hmm. working with cancer, clients, and the research is getting really good out there. didn't used to yeah. be, but it's really good out there. So will yeah. you please give your contact information? We want all of our listeners to have a pen and paper ready to write this down. And when we come back from the break, we'll give it to you again. But let's go ahead and give your contact information.
2: Yeah, you could note my email address. It's uh, dot one zero two four at hotmail.com.
1: Okay, saa d12 Three, four?
2: One, dot one, zero two
1: four. one zero two four. I should have this written down okay That's At
2: hotmail.
1: hotmail it's a hotmail <laughs> sure. okay we're going to go ahead and take our first break we'll be back in just a few minutes you do not want to miss the rest of this show his information is just so amazing what a brilliant brilliant doctor he is and to have him on our show I'm just thrilled so we'll be back in just a few minutes Stay tuned.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Learn more about the products and equipment discussed by Stephanie and her guests on the show by visiting MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. We've done the research for you and selected proven, high-quality brands at competitive prices from companies you can trust. Drugs and surgery are not your only options. Discover the exciting alternative therapies and health and wellness products that are helping people to reclaim their health and enjoy a higher quality of life. That's MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com.
1: Many of us are finding ourselves distracted by what's going on
0: in the world around us today. We find ourselves discontent with our circumstances, with what we have and how we feel about ourselves. And we find ourselves disconnected from those
1: that matter most to us. If this sounds all too familiar, check out MindfulLab.net and see how the practice of mindfulness can change your life today. Powerful programs are available to help you find clarity, connection, and peace at MindfulLab.net.
0: You're listening to The Vitality Health Show with Stephanie Parrish. If you have a question for Stephanie or her guest, please email contact at MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. Now, back to The Vitality Health Show.
1: Welcome back, friends. We are so happy to have you here with us. We have got an amazing, amazing doctor on here with us. We are talking about all sorts of cancers. And right now we're talking about hyperbaric. He's going to be talking about the food that we can eat. Um, Dr. Zod Zahil is amazing, amazing person. You've been listening. If you've been listening, you already know. And if you're just joining us, welcome. We would love to continue right where we're at. We're just talking about what hyperbaric can do, what the right food can do. And then we're going to get into talking about just basically how to prevent This and how and different things that we can do for this. So he's joining us from Pakistan. He has written a book. Tell us about your book because I've been fascinated with this book, and then we'll give your contact information. Then we'll move on.
3: Yeah,
2: this uh, I wrote this book about uh, about 67 I think 67 months back. Uh, The second version, right? I wrote the first version about two years ago. So I wrote this to uh, you know, it was uh, I, I was pretty much uh, uh disappointed uh with the way the progress against cancer has been made you know it's right. it's yeah it's it's very disappointing so i was uh trying to you know reach pay cancer patients out there and tell them that there is still light at the end of the tunnel right so there there's still something that you could do even if you were given a death sentence right because yeah. uh, you see there's even a research out there where, where when people are given a, a cancer diagnosis, about 90 percent of them assume it is a death sentence you know and and that's a, and that's scary because uh, not all of those di- uh, cancers uh, maybe those cancers were diagnosed at an early stage you know right. yeah, something which is treatable, and curable within, the, within our current scientific paradigm, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, they could potentially delay going to uh, the oncologist or the surgeon, right, to have the tumor removed. They might be thinking that maybe it's a death sentence. What's the use of going to a doctor? And, uh, you know, the longer uh, the delay is sought in getting treatment, and the more uh, the more the tumor advances right and it metastasizes so mm-hmm. yeah so going back to our discussion on hyperbaric oxygen therapy right so i was talking about how, can we use this in can we use what we know about hyperbaric oxygen therapy in conjunction with chemotherapy right or or radiotherapy right so there is a phenomenon when it comes to radiotherapy there is a phenomenon called the oxygen fixation, right?
3: Mm-hmm. So they
2: conducted these experiments way back and they found that uh, when you give radio in the presence of hyperbaric oxygen therapy, right, we have a higher uh, cancer cell kill count, right? Mm. We, uh, the cancer cells are destroyed at a far greater rate if they are exposed to high pressure oxygen
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: in the presence of radiotherapy. So definitely, you could pursue uh, you could pursue both of them, and they're not. Uh, and these two treatment modalities do not contradict each other,
3: right? Right.
1: Yeah. That's huge to say that again because they do not contradict each other.
2: Yeah, they the, don't.
1: The yeah. oxygen will help supplement what the body's supposed to be doing anyway. Yeah.
2: Right. And if, your, and if your oncologist says it does contradict, you could actually. Pinpoint them all the relevant researchers so that they could, you know, uh, even update their knowledge that this isn't something which is, uh, which is uh, contradictory to science. In fact, it's uh, uh, the, the very foundation of hyperbaric oxygen therapy is science.
1: Right. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Very very so, scientific. Yeah, and there is another problem which oncologists face, and it's called uh, chemotherapeutic resistance.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: we are, we are we are giving chemotherapeutic drugs but we are not getting a response, right? So we have abundant of researches conducted where uh, we're using combination of hyperbaric oxygen therapy and chemotherapy. We have found uh, far greater responses and positive outcomes. Have you heard about Dominic Agostino?
1: I'm not familiar with that name, no.
2: Okay, he's a a very good doctor and a a, a very great researcher who has done all these researches and you could look him up uh, and you could uh, see how, uh, in fact, uh, in his specific, routine, uh, in his uh, specific metastatic mouse models, uh, uh, using combinations uh, with ketogenic diet, chemotherapy, uh, chemotherapeutic drugs, and hyperbaric oxygen therapy, we uh, there was uh, that the the metastatic disease completely vanished, right? Wow! Yeah, it completely vanished. So you could use them in conjunction as well. There's no problem with that.
1: I love that you're saying that. I love that. And and I love that you're saying, because a lot of my clients in my hyperbaric clinic will come in and, and like you said, they were given death dates, you know, three months, six months, you know, maybe they'd make it a year. And I would always tell them, we don't do death dates in my clinic. Yeah. So we're, we, don't, we don't go by that. What we're going to do is supplement your body with the natural tools that we need and see what your yeah. body's going to do. And I love that yeah. you're saying that. And a lot of medical doctors, and I love our medical world. I love our medical field. Sometimes they're just not uh, knowledgeable about the research.
3: And yeah. so yeah,
1: it's awesome yeah. to send that off to them if they're open yeah. to learning about the research.
2: Yeah. In a way, you could think about uh, other about medical therapy. It's itself a targeted therapy, right? It's mm-hmm. sort of, it's a, there is no harm in welcoming it in our current scientific paradigm because we are going for the uh, targeted approaches, right? Mm-hmm. So, what's wrong exactly. with using what's wrong with using that which is toxic to the uh, cancer cell and which is working in uh, which is found to work very good in uh, clinical researches, right? right. So, we t- so we tackle one aspect of um, cancer which is uh. uh which is eradicating the hypoxia the hypoxic uh, environment within the vicinity of the tumor and supplementing it with oxygen now is there something we could do in terms of glucose or in terms of its energy uh, is there something we could do to starve it essentially mm-hmm. so what we could do is we could switch over to ketogenic diet
1: mm-hmm. right Ketogenic diets are huge right now, aren't they? Everybody's learning yeah. how important those yeah. are.
2: Yeah, and uh, especially uh, uh, with ketogenic diet, it is important that uh, we do it in the sense that's uh, energy restricted, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which is restricted as well. So what happens when the body is in starvation mode or when we are consuming uh, not those things which spike insulin levels? Uh, our, uh, our cells shift over to the uh, normally they metabolize glucose, but uh, under these conditions, our cells switch over to ketone bodies,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: And when they switch over to ketone bodies, the cancer cells don't. Uh-huh. They can they cannot utilize ketone bodies. Okay. I haven't found I haven't found a single cell uh, uh, which. A single cancer cell which utilizes ketone bodies. Uh, obviously, there uh, there might be some exceptions out there, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, you know taking the cancer uh, cell outside and studying it in the petri dish. Right? right. There would be there would be some exceptions, but in majority of the cancers they they can't, or in most of the cancers they can't utilize ketone bodies. So nice. once the body so once the normal cells are utilizing ketone bodies and the cancer cells can't, so and they 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 they, they can't utilize glucose they, uh, since the glucose is uh, you have uh, literally stopped taking uh, those kind of foods with spike glucose levels, right?
3: Right.
2: And uh, if you don't take uh, those foods with spike glucose levels, uh, what uh, what what happens is that. Uh, the spike in glucose levels correlates with the release of insulin. And Mm. what does insulin do? Insulin promotes the entry of glucose from the blood into these cells, into the cancer cells Mm. or into the normal cells. But if you're not taking those foods with spike glucose levels, there will not be spiking insulin levels, right? So the glucose will not be able to enter those cancer cells, whatever that is remaining or uh, uh, our body our body maintains the normal level of glucose within the body it's not like that we stop consumption and the glucose levels fall to zero it doesn't happen like that Mm -hmm. but that glucose cannot enter the cancer cell it doesn't normally enter because you would need insulin right oh interesting yes under normally this is what we have seen so far in experiments right Mm -hmm. so if the cancer cells cannot use glucose and they cannot use ketones, what would happen? To answer that, the scientists looked into the different experiments and, the, and what they saw was that the cancer cells uh, completely regressed, right? Mm. And this comes back to uh, researches done by Dominic uh, uh, Agostino, Thomas C. fried and, uh, and even Dr. Masha Winters recommends um, Going metabolic, uh, a metabolic approach to cancer uh, treat uh, can uh, when it comes to cancer therapeutics, right? Mm. So um, and uh, there's an essential benefit of uh, ke- uh, having ketone bodies in your blood, right? Uh, I talked about uh, there are some chemotherapeutic drugs which do not distinguish between the normal cell and the cancer cell, right? Right. So yeah, so the ketone bodies. Mm. Uh, have a um, you could call it uh, they they correlate with a protective mechanism, which which prevents the uh, the chemotherapy from uh, uh, toxicating the normal cells, right? Mm-hmm. So, the greater, so, the, so the greater the ketone bodies are present in the blood, there are greater side effects for chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So so what we have done so far, we have concluded that you could use oxygen therapy with chemotherapy and even radiotherapy. And you could also combine ketogenic diet. With it. Mm. You see? Now, how much would ketogenic diet cost? What would be the cost of a ketogenic diet?
1: Yeah, it's a lot cheaper than going through all the medications. <laughs> sure.
2: Com- yeah. Now, ketogenic diet uh, is also, also correlates with uh, inhibition of angiogenesis within the tumor cell. Now, compare the price... Uh, of ketogenic diet with it's with, with, with some drug called Avastin, which costs about hundred thousand dollars, right? Jeez, it's crazy. Yeah. So, this is what we could, and then there's there are some other drugs that have you heard about metformin? The, oh
3: yes. The, the, yeah. So now, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. So to all the you know skeptical oncologists out there who think that what if. Cancer cells switches over to uh, switches over to ketone bodies.
3: Mm-hmm. What yeah.
2: if, yeah, what if their mitochondrial function is intact? What if they could utilize oxygen? Is there a way we could uh, we could help them uh, resolve this dilemma that may, okay, they might say, okay, we're gonna give our patients other diet oxygen type. We're going to give them ketogenic diet. But what if cancer cells switch over to ketogenic diet? Or uh, their mitochondria uh, are not dysfunctional, but they're intact. What will happen then, right? So you could recommend giving metformin, and which is a potent inhibitor of oxidative phosphorylation. right? Okay. Yeah. And this would inhibit uh, the oxidative phosphorylation, if, if- any, taking place within the cancer cell, So there are plenty of ways you could approach it.
1: My mind is spinning right now because I've heard all this stuff. Like I've had clients come in my office that are, are have just been diagnosed with cancer, haven't, tr- haven't done anything. I've had clients that have been in there in the middle of radiation and chemotherapy. And yeah. I've had clients in there that are post radiation and chemo- chemotherapy. I've had them all. And it's been absolutely amazing to watch how their bodies can repair, regenerate, refunction with putting the oxygen back in there. And, and I mean, really, you think about it, and this is what my mentors have always told me, how long can you go without food? How long can you go without water? Well, how long can you go without oxygen?
3: Yeah.
1: You know, so we got, and that's that's what's happening with these cancer cells. Yeah. They, they don't the, like the uh, oxygen, right? Yeah,
2: and if you visit any oncology ward out there, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the dietary recommendation from an oncologist is the last thing on their priority list, uh, on, on the list <laughs> of priority, right?
1: It should be it, the first thing, don't you think?
2: Yeah, it, is, it should be the first thing, but it is the last thing. And I have even heard of some oncologists recommending eating lots of, lots of ice creams and donuts and all those kind of things, which, you know, aggravate or. You it's going to
1: feed that cancer.
2: Yeah. yeah they love sugars. <laughs> of, yeah. Because, because they're afraid because the toxic chemotherapy uh, is, uh, is essentially very toxic to the normal cells, right?
1: Right. And they have no,
2: and they, they literally have no other option. So, and then there is a terminal, there's a terminology called, phenomenon called cachexia, right? Which, which is associated with severe muscle wasting and weight loss in cancer patients. They have sunken cheeks and they cannot even uh, move their finger uh, without getting breathless, right? So yes. they are recommending, so they, they, they are fearful. How, how do they address that? So they're giving all sorts of bad dietary advices and, and it, it all comes down to how much uh, good of a researcher you are. You can be a good doctor, but you right. could be a bad researcher at the same time. Right. right.
1: And, and knowing where to look, you know, yeah. what, where, do you, where do you go? This is, this is the thing that's been so interesting for me, not being a medical doctor, but being in the health and wellness field. Where yeah. do you go? And what do you research? And that's why I, I get in contact with incredible people like you and the other doctors I work with. Tell me, teach me, let me know. So while we're on that note, we only got a few more minutes. I want you to talk a little bit more about prevention. Because we had yeah. talked a little bit about this. What is the best thing somebody can do out there to prevent our health from, from deteriorating like that?
2: Okay. Uh, if you look at the cancers, the all the totality of them, only ten percent of those cancers are hereditary. About ninety percent of those cancers are acquired, which means mm. all the all the environment that we are exposed to is, and we are acquiring these uh, mutations in the DNA over time, which correlates with a cancer formation. And this includes you know, cigarette smoking, uh, passive smoking, and then you have you're you're consuming. Lots and lots of red meat, especially which is uh, not organic, right? Um, right. Uh, or are from or, or from cows that are grass-fed,
1: right? I need it's, to it, I need to repeat I need you to repeat that one more time because you said ninety percent of these cancers are acquired.
2: Yeah, ninety percent. About ten percent. Ninety
1: percent. That's insane.
2: Yes. Ninety percent. Ninety percent of them are quiet, and that's why uh, the focus of cancer industry is now shifting towards preventative measures, right?
3: Mm, right. Instead
2: of instead of treat, instead of bringing out a cure, they are now shifting the attention towards because prevention is better than cure, right?
1: Exactly. Right. Don't yeah. get it.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh, we need to limit our exposure to. Chemicals, and they are all around us. They're in your shampoos, they're in your soaps, they're in your toothpaste. They're in, you, we all love barbecue, right?
1: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. We, but, but, we, but what we don't know is uh, that and, uh, several compounds are produced uh during the process of, you know, heating it over the charcoals and over the coals, and uh, these are implicated in malignant cancer formation, right? But we like consuming, but we need to stop consuming all that stuff, which is, which is barbecued and there's alcohol, cigarette smokes, uh, grilled vegetables. We need to stop all that, right?
1: So So and- easy for you to say that. How do we do that?
2: It, it comes down to <laughs> how much do we? <laughs> to be honest, you are right because it's easier said than done, right? We are addicted to this stuff, right. to the, all these uh, uh, ingredients. Well, convenience. Right? convenience,
1: convenience is what we've become, right? And it's in all yeah. the stuff and people know they're going to buy it yeah. or they're going to use it because it's convenient. I mean, it takes yeah. a lot of work to be able to live a healthy lifestyle. With what we can yeah, control. About,
2: yeah, but think about junk food. At least we could, you know, it all starts with taking the little steps. We could cut off junk food from a life, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, junk food, junk food is uh, now the research is saying that junk food is implicated in lots and lots of cancers because uh, obesity is linked to, and and uh, since junk food is linked to obesity, and obesity is linked to uh, cancers, all kinds of cancers, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Yeah. So we could take tiny steps, baby steps.
1: I I love that you said that. Just start with one thing. Just start with, you know, we've been trying to eat a lot of organic, but you have to kind of be careful with that too. Is it true organic or, you know, are they just slapping the label on there? Which a lot of them are doing that too. So you've got to be really knowledgeable of what's in your food and where it's coming from.
2: Yeah. And then there's, yeah, anybody could put a label on any kind of, you know, Uh, vegetable or something like that. Then there's another problem of GMO or genetically (laughs) modified, right?
1: Which is everywhere now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the solution is to, you know, have your own personal garden where you could grow all these kind of vegetables, but then you have to find all the right amount of, you know, seeds and avoid the fertilizers. It sh- it should be starting someday, right?
1: We uh, we someday. actually just pulled our first tomatoes off of our tomato plants that, that we had. We were so excited! It's like, yay, three little baby tomatoes. <laughs> we the grew them. Oh, they were so different. good. They were so yeah. so different from what you buy in the store. They're just that. Sweet, juicy, yummy food. And and we grew them. So we know what was in the soil. We know what was fed to them. We, you know, we're just, we're just, so you're right. You just have to take baby steps, right? Just be aware. Be aware. There's some things we have no control of, but we have to be very aware of what is going on in our surroundings and what is put in our foods, correct? Yeah, exactly. And and what other advice do you give out there for us?
2: I think I have. Said it all. I would say, um, I, I don't think there's anything left to say. Okay. I I oh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I want I, you to
1: give us your your contact information again, so that everybody yeah. can hear it. Everybody should have your paper and pencil ready. It will also be on our website. So we yeah. want to make sure he's got so. So say the name of your book. Yeah. Again for us.
2: Yeah, it's cancer. The solution may be simpler than you think.
1: I I love that the the, the solution may be simpler than you think. Yeah, and and like yeah. I said, I've got I've got a friend that healed herself from cancer, from stage three breast cancer, completely with foods. It's got it all fun. back to the natural yeah. foods, watching everything, and I've had a number of them with foods and hyperbaric that has just done amazing things. Yeah. Uh, we use light therapy. There's There are options out there. So that's, yeah. I guess, the biggest thing is to look for your options and yeah. do your and research. I would, and
2: I would like to say one thing that just don't put oncology, radiotherapy or surgery uh, into the trash can. You see, right. It all depends upon what kind of stage of cancer you're in. If you're in the initial stage, don't hop into the hyperbaric oxygen therapy channel in the initial stage, get that tumor removed, right? right? Get the tumor removed before it advances to a more advanced stage. But if you're having chemotherapeutic resistance and the doctors have said that, go home, we can't do anything else, yeah. there are options out there that you could try, right? In right. fact, you could try hyperbaric oxygen therapy for all the kind of bad side effects, to uh, to recover from all the kinds of bad side effects with, chemotherapy and radiotherapy right exactly there are tons of uh, very bad side effects with these kind of toxic drug combinations right and you could use uh, uh, you could simply hop in hyperverical therapy for about let's say 10 to 20 sessions and uh, you will be recovered and there's tons of uh, data out there which supports that notion
1: Tons of data. I I love that. Thank you so much. So again, S-A-A-D, S A A D. S is in Sam. A A D is in dog. Dot one zero two four at hotmail Correct.
2: And you got you got that right. Yeah.
1: Okay we want to make sure that everybody gets on there and you, they can get access to your book through that also, because I love, I love the fat cancer. The solution may be easier than you think. Is that how, is that, am I saying that correctly? (laughs) I've read the whole thing and I've got notes, like notes, like notes all over going, Oh, I got to talk to about page three, page six, page 12 page. I mean, it's, it's a really easy, simple read. Uh, That's what I loved. It was just, you did such a beautiful job. Of making it so simple. Yeah. And so thank all you. of our listeners thank out there, an incredible man, incredible human being who loves people and wants to do the best for everybody. And thank you just to get back to the simple stuff, watch what you're eating, be careful yeah. where you're at, what you're consuming in your body, and then inform your bo- yourself what you need to do, get educated and know what the options are out there you don't have to just go right into whatever you're being told find out your options so I appreciate that any final last words for us I know yeah. you said it all but,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I would say thank you for inviting me to the show and I hope that uh, anybody who's listening to this uh, takes some good valuable lessons out there and if there's uh, any uh, if there's uh, some oncologists listening to this, what I would say is that it is—it never hurts to, you know, uh, just take a second glance at the research which has been which has been done in the hyperbaric dance industry and the uh, diet industry. Maybe you would find something beneficial for your cancer patients. Um, we should be more flexible uh, and we should be more accommodative of our cancer patients. This is what I would
1: have to say. Uh. Thank you, Saad. That was so wonderful. So, Everybody listening, this has been a wonderful show. Dr. Saad, Sahil, thank you so much. We sure appreciate you. And everybody, have a beautiful day. Be safe,
0: be happy, and healthy. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vitality Health Show. Be sure to tune in next Thursday for another informative show with Stephanie Parrish and leading health and wellness experts. That's Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a wonderful, healthy week. Statements made and information provided on this program are for educational purposes only. They have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products discussed on this program are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Vitality Health Show is not responsible for any misunderstandings or misapplication of information presented in this show.